0: Efforts to keep some property taxes down amid a housing affordability crisis in South Florida and continuing to pay for teacher raises. This is the South Florida Roundup on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. The hot housing market across South Florida could mean higher property taxes. Palm Beach and Miami-Dade counties are talking about cutting tax rates. What could that mean for homeowner taxes? And what about an impact on rents for landlords? Voters, meantime, will be asked if homeowners want to keep paying extra taxes to pay for teacher pay raises and school security measures as a new school year begins in a little bit more than a month. It's all ahead here on the South Florida Roundup with your phone calls and tweets. Our program is made possible by Willie the Bee Man, Bee Removal Specialist. Welcome to the South Florida Roundup here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting Public Radio. Most abortions in Florida after 15 weeks are banned. A new state law restricting abortions to before 15 weeks stands as a challenge works its way through the state court system. Now, even at 15 weeks, Florida would have one of the least restrictive abortion laws in the southeast as tighter restrictions in neighboring states work their way through those state court systems. Some companies have said they will pay the travel costs for employees in states with abortion restrictions to seek out the procedures elsewhere, including companies with significant presences here in Florida like uh, banking giant J.P. Morgan, Amazon and Disney. 800-743-WLRN is our phone number to join our conversation this week here on the South Florida Roundup. 800-743-9576. We begin by talking about Florida's 15-week abortion restriction ban and the impact for employers uh, willing to pay for travel for employees to seek out the procedure. You can also tweet us at WLRN on Twitter. Michael Elkins is with us now. He is a founder and partner at a law firm MLE and a labor relations and employee relations uh, attorney. Michael, uh, thank you for your time here from Fort Lauderdale from the uh, South Florida Roundup. Let's begin here. What are the considerations for these companies that have announced publicly their willingness to pay travel costs for employees to seek out an abortion?
1: Uh, thanks for having me this afternoon. It's great to be here. I think companies have to think about uh, the various states that they're located in. And if those are states that are either banning or abortion or severely restricting it, do those states have sort of an assistance law that goes with that? And then what will be the enforcement of that assistance law? What's the scope of it? I think that's probably the first major consideration.
0: All right, let's stop right there. Now, let's pause there, counselor, have... for a moment there. What 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 is an assistance law? What is that?
1: So some of these laws have provisions where not only the person performing the procedure or having the procedure done could face consequences, but anyone assisting in the procedure could face consequences. And the scope of that is sort of
0: unknown at this point. So Florida has that in this new 15 week law. It uh, says that it's a third degree felony for anyone who, quote, performs or actively participates in an abortion. Would that include a company that uh, that uh, pays travel costs for somebody to seek an abortion elsewhere?
1: Well, right now we don't know, but Florida's law is interesting because it uses the words actively participate. And that's a little different than just saying providing assistance. So if you're reading that strictly, the term actively participates, I'm not sure is going to encompass a, a company potentially assisting with funding an abortion.
0: Hmm. Or, or or paying the travel costs for an abortion is there Correct. is there a distinction Correct. between those two, uh, those two uses of potential uh, you know a company benefit a uh, money from a company if it's reimbursing someone for travel costs uh, versus for the uh, cost of the abortion procedure.
1: Well, I think it's going to be up to the person who's you know enforcing the law. I mean, certainly if a company pays for an individual to come to Florida to have an abortion within the 15 week period. Then that company likely doesn't face any issue from Florida because the individuals getting a legally authorized right. abortion in the state of Florida. The problem would be if your if the person is let's say at 17 weeks in Florida and the company pays for them to go to say New York, would Florida prosecute that? Mm. And right now we don't know.
0: Uh, We're talking about uh, Florida's new 15-week abortion ban law, which is uh, in force here in Florida as it works its way through the state appeals court process, ultimately to the state Supreme Court. And we're talking about potential implications for employers in Florida and elsewhere. A number of national employers like J.P. Morgan, Amazon, and Disney have stated publicly that they will pay for travel costs for employees to seek out legal abortions in states. Michael Elkins is with us, uh, founder and partner at MLE Law in Fort Lauderdale, labor and employment uh, lawyer. 800-743-WLRN, our phone number, to participate in the conversation. 800-743-9576. Michael, what are the potential considerations for abortion providers here in Florida if uh, a company pays for the travel costs for somebody to come from, say, the state of uh, Mississippi?
1: I I think for the provider, they just have to make sure that they are in line with Florida's current 15-week law. So as long as the provider's performing the abortion within the 15 weeks, I don't think it's an issue. There's a fundamental constitutional right to travel. So I think if an individual is traveling, they're likely okay, certainly under Florida's law. What the other state does, that's unknown at this point as well.
0: Yeah. How practically, uh, rather, uh, how how does this work as a practical matter for a company, a big Fortune 500 company that has a big presence here in Florida like Disney, that has a national presence, or Amazon for that matter, that has employees uh, in, in all 50 states? If, say, an Amazon employee from Texas, where there's a much tighter abortion restriction, wants to travel to Florida, how does it practically work?
1: Well, from a practical standpoint, if the company is going to fund that travel, and as long as that employee is legally getting the abortion in Florida, I don't think you're going to have much of an issue. The question is going to be, what's Texas going to do with that? And practically, the company might very well be comfortable explicitly saying, we're funding the travel for abortion, or they might just say, we're just paying reasonable travel expenses for our employees. So it's really a little bit like the wild, wild west right now, because this is all very brand new.
0: And does it open up the potential for employees to demand travel for other health considerations to be reimbursed by a company? Uh, I
1: think, Yeah, I think that it might. I mean, you certainly might see some unionized employees asking for greater concessions in their contracts or travel for other health benefits, uh, travel to make sure that they can stay safe if they can't get certain procedures in certain states. But... I really think this is going to stay focused on abortion because it's so specific and sort of unique to everything else.
0: And what about employee health privacy? There are strong federal laws in place regarding the the health information of individuals. If uh, a employee has to uh, submit, you know, travel receipts uh, for reimbursement that is not business travel, but rather travel to uh, to seek out a, an abortion procedure. What are the privacy considerations?
1: Well, employers have an obligation to keep employee medical information confidential. In fact, they have to keep that information in a separate file from the regular personnel file. So I think if you see a prosecution under sort of one of these assistance laws, I think you're going to have the stage set for a really big debate about what medical information could even be turned over in one of these cases. We've already seen Google, I think, is it said it's not going to save some of these I think, searches for where to get abortion or things of that nature. So I think we're going to have to have a few showdowns on this before we know the answer.
0: Well, Florida is uh, is no stranger to showdowns between uh, state government and large corporations. Uh, offer as a uh, first piece of evidence here, Counselor, Disney, right? And the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill, the Parental Rights and Education Bill, Uh, Disney uh, 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 came out against that law as Governor DeSantis signed the law. The governor then essentially called a special session for the state uh, uh, legislators to uh, reconsider some special taxing status for a a special district that uh, Disney set up in 1967 uh, for its theme park uh, just outside of Orlando. What are the political risks? For companies such as Disney, Amazon, Google, JP Morgan, Citi, others that have said that have a presence here in Florida that have said they will pay employee travel for abortions?
1: I I think rather high. I mean, you you said it. We've seen this particular administration be very aggressive against companies that come out uh, politically on a different side. So I think companies have to balance that. There's a tension there, though, because while Florida certainly has been aggressive, It doesn't want to alienate its large employers as well. You know, South Florida in particular has this great surge of employers bringing their corporate offices down here. And so I think there's this tension with what are we going to do with this law? How far is Florida going to go versus encouraging and bringing large business to the state?
0: Michael, give us a sense of uh, of your uh, incoming. Are you fielding lots of questions or any questions from companies here in Florida or companies outside of Florida uh, investigating how this uh, this travel reimbursement to employees seeking abortions may work?
1: I have fielded questions from both in-state and out-of-state employers. In-state employers usually are coming from my clients that have employees in states with very restricted laws, Texas, Mississippi, those types of places. Mm-hmm. And the answer is, you know, unfortunately this is the standard lawyer answer, which I hate to give, but it's true here, <laughs> we really just don't know yet. This is a lot like COVID when it started. Um, we didn't know what the scope would be about testing. What's the scope going to be about telling people what they can do if they have a negative test or a positive test? This is similar. Um, higher stakes, maybe, but brand new area of the law. I mean, it's been 50 years since Roe v. Wade over. You know, started. So, yeah. unfortunately, there's going to be a feel-out period.
0: Uh, New territory, certainly, to explore for companies uh, and for courts, for that matter. Michael, thanks for sharing your uh, legal expertise with us. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Michael Elkins, a labor and employment lawyer from uh, MLE law firm based in Fort Lauderdale, talking about the employer considerations, as a number of companies have stated publicly that uh, they will be uh, reimbursing employers employees for uh, seeking travel for abortions. we got plenty more to come here on the South Florida Roundup. We're going to switch gears, talk about uh, housing affordability and taxes, property taxes. Those bills are not in the mail just yet, but they could be coming soon. What considerations, what concerns do you have about property taxes here in Florida? 800-743-WLRN. We're back on the South Florida Roundup here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks, as always, for listening and supporting public broadcasting. Sometime in the next week, Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava is due to release her proposed budget for the next fiscal year for county government. On Tuesday, Palm Beach County commissioners are scheduled to hold a budget workshop in their process to decide a spending plan for tax dollars for the next fiscal year. Now, key to these budgets will be the property tax rate. Home values have jumped significantly in South Florida, and as they have jumped, homeowners may face a healthy jump in their property taxes, even if the property tax rate remains the same, because the underlying value of the home has increased substantially. It's led to some commissioners in Miami-Dade and Palm Beach counties calling for lower tax rates. So are you bracing yourself for a pop in your property taxes? How are you planning for it? If a county is to consider dropping tax rates, what does that mean for county services, for instance, for revenue? And if you're a landlord or a renter, what role do property taxes play in that monthly rent? 800-743-WLRN is our phone number. We'd love to hear from you homeowners, landlords, renters, business owners, commercial property owners. How are you getting ready for property taxes? 800 743 800-743-WLRN. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at WLRN on that social media. Well, like across South Florida, property values in Palm Beach County have jumped by double digits, leading to the possibility of higher property taxes there. This is Palm Beach County Mayor Robert Weinroth. So that means
2: that if we keep the millage exactly where it was last year, every one of our taxpayers is going to see a significant increase because of the value of their property, and I'm looking to make that a little bit less onerous.
0: Now, state law limits how much property taxes can increase each year to 3% if you live in your property. 10% is the maximum increase for others. Taxable property values in Miami-Dade County are also up by double digits. So join our conversation here, eight hundred seven four three 743 wlrn Miami-Dade County Commissioner Raquel Regalado is back with us here on the Roundup. Commissioner, nice to have you again. Thanks for your time.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: You've called for a lower property tax rate for the county already. How much lower would you like to see?
2: Well, you know, what we're looking at right now is the what we thought we were going to get and what we're getting. Um, just so everyone understands, you know, the same as in Broward, when we talk about who's paying what, People who have homestead are going to see a 3% increase. Uh, the increase for non-homestead, homesteaded is 11.80 mm-hmm. um, countywide. Our predictions um, had us also in the double digits. But when we finally closed out the numbers July 1st, we're talking about an increase of 36.371 million. So how much is a mill, right? Because that's the question. How <laughs> uh, much are you going to go well, down? Are well, you going to yeah. keep? Are you going to keep it flat or go half a mil? Yeah, I'm going to ask
0: you all those questions here, Commissioner. Just bear with me for one moment. (laughs) But let me just pause on something that you said, right? So homesteaded properties, these are properties that are owner-occupied for residents. Uh, And there's a state law that says that the maximum and annual property tax can be increased is 3%. Are you here to say flatly a homesteaded property owner is going to see a 3% property tax increase for Miami-Dade County?
2: No, if we lower the millage, uh, and that's why I think we should consider lowering the millage because their property values have gone up significantly and they're paying 3% of that. So even with the cap, you know, people are hurting. And and listen, last time we were on here, we were talking about renters, you know, and that's important. And most of this gets passed through to them, which is why the 10% cap is important. But at the end of the day, all these homeowners are suffering with issues of inflation. Everything is more expensive and we should do our part. We're getting Plenty of money this year.
0: So, well, I'll talk about the plenty of money side, uh, but first, let's let's dig into this. It gets a little arcane talking about millage rates and whatnot. But a millage rate, one millage rate, the way I understand it, is one dollar for every one thousand dollars of home value. Do I have that definition right?
2: Yes, you okay. do. And in my in Miami-Dade County, that translates into a mill is three hundred and seventy-two um, 77 million. So three, 373 million, uh, thousand million. Right. So there you go. (laughs) 372 million. It's complicated. It
0: is complicated. Let me try to see if I can cut through it and tell me where I'm wrong here. So fiscal year 22. So the fiscal year that the county government is operating in now, the countywide millage rate, uh, 4.7, which means $4 and 70 cents for every $1,000 of home value. Is that, is that right?
2: Yes, that's right.
0: The operating and debt millages. So everything taken together in Miami-Dade County, all the different types of taxing authorities that the county has authority over, 9.8 mills. So $9.80 for every $1,000 of home value is what Miami-Dade County property taxpayers are paying for this year. What kind of millage rate do you have an appetite to push for as you go through the budget process for the next fiscal year?
2: Well, this year, we still have federal money that we haven't spent from last year. And we have a lot of projects that, you know, we started last year, but for different reasons, we haven't done. So we are going to have rollover. Um, you know, when we look at libraries and fire, normally, you know, we don't reduce those. It would really be countywide and the unincorporated municipal area, the ones that we would reduce. Um, so what we're looking at is, you know, a percentage of a mill or half a mill.
0: So so okay, so let me try to again cut through this here. So if if you scrape out the fire and rescue property tax and the library property tax and the property tax that goes to debt servicing, primarily for the Marlins Park baseball stadium, you're talking about a four point seven mil, four dollars and seventy cents for every one thousand dollars in home value currently. You'd like to roll that back to four point two to four dollars twenty cents per thousand dollars home value?
2: Right. That's what we're looking at. You know, how much can we roll it back without impacting our labor agreements? You Mm -hmm. know, one of the things that people talk about is, you know, what about the employees? You know, we have three year labor agreements. We go back into negotiations with our unions next year. So we have to make sure that we can meet the obligations that we signed up for. Yeah. Hold um, on.
0: Sorry for the interruption there, Commissioner. But the 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 the, the, uh, union agreements don't specify a millage tax rate, do they?
2: No, but they specify the amounts that come out of the general fund, right? right. So that's why right. now when we get the proposed budget, so the way that it works is we receive the proposed budget from the mayor, the last day is on July 15th. And then at our July 19th, you know, we set the millage. So we got to see what she proposes. And of that, we get to do a little bit of the math ourselves before we establish the millage. The interesting thing about the millage that we established on July 19th is that the statute says that we have to establish a millage on in July and that that notice has to go out. Yep. We can't raise it but we can
0: lower it. Right, you've got to hit the you've got to make a ceiling and you can't go above right. that as property tax uh, property owners will then be notified of what the maximum millage Will be. We're talking about property taxes in South Florida, somewhat arcane, but, boy, awfully important for household budgets, certainly in this time of high uh, home prices, difficult housing affordability, and, of course, high inflation. Miami-Dade County Commissioner Raquel Regalado is with us. Uh, homeowners, we'd love to hear from you. Renters, we want to hear from you as well. 800-743-WLRN. 800 743 76 countywide now homeowners spending four dollars and seventy cents in taxes for every thousand dollars of home value that home value has gone up considerably in the last 12 months so even if it stays at uh, 4.7 millage rate that is uh, going to perhaps increase your uh, bottom line cost what is the ultimate impact commissioner on county revenues do you expect county revenues? To, uh, to stay flat uh, if not how much do you anticipate them to, to increase even as you go after a millage rate
2: well I mean right now even from the the estimates right we we, we have 37 uh, 37 million more than we thought we had mm-hmm. and we also have a lot of federal money that's going to roll over uh, we're looking now at closing out the final year I can give you an example we had um 300, you know, um, 300,000 that went to the Better Bus, that never happened. We have uh, several transit projects that are completely stalled because we don't have the people to do the work. We don't have the employees and we can't build it out. So there's a lot of things that kind of got stuck in the last budget that we're gonna roll over into this budget. And last budget, because we had federal money, we helped a lot of organizations. We did a lot of things that were outside the box. Um, this year, I think we need to focus on maintaining our services. You know, paying our employees, squirreling some money away um, as we go into a recession, and and really tackling the complaints that we're getting. People are asking us to help with property insurance. We can't do that. They're asking us to help with repairs on their houses, uh, with rent. But if we lower the millage, even um, even if by just a little, we help everyone across Miami Dade County because that's a pass through for renters, like you were saying. And uh, then obviously, I, I, the I'm going to interrupt
0: you know. there, Commissioner. How do you pass through for renters only if landlords kind of uh, allow that to happen, right? I mean, there's no, or are you proposing a regulatory kind of link between a millage rate and uh, rent?
2: no but that's what we're seeing we're seeing when we're talking to landlords what they're talking about is they're they're saying that they're not artificially increasing rents that they're just passing on their costs and actually their number one complaint is property insurance that's the number one thing that we're hearing right. um, obviously some of these commercial properties um, have fluctuating interest rates so those interest rates are going up too and then you know the other side of it is the property taxes but you know I think when you look at what county government is supposed to do this is the one place where I think we can help and we can help across the board because a lot of the federal programming was for renters. We really haven't seen federal programming for homeowners. Nobody helped people pay their mortgages. Nobody helped them, you know, fix their houses or pay their property insurance. Um, and and those are the folks that are really complaining the most, even though they have the three percent cap.
0: We're talking about property taxes, uh, particularly in Miami-Dade County with Miami-Dade County Commissioner Raquel Regalado. But uh, property taxes, of course, is something that's going to be on everybody's budget, if not already throughout South Florida, with the sharp increase in property values that homeowners have experienced over the past year. Uh, we've got a phone number for you to call if you want to join the conversation, 800-743-9576, 800 743 WLRN. Love to tackle uh, complex, dense topics here on the radio, millage rates and uh, property taxes and whatnot, and try to sort through them together. Robert is listening to our conversation, Commissioner, in Miami. Go ahead, Robert. You are on the radio.
3: Oh, thank you, and I'm glad uh, I caught this. Uh, Commissioner, isn't that true that not only in this city and county, but pretty much around the country, that a few years back, uh, and I'm going to say this, in order to, get uh, assumed that in order to get reelected, a lot of the uh, politicians agree to this, but most of the, I believe in our county also and city, where we guarantee, the unions passed this through and got approved where we guarantee the a 9% interest of all the monies we have, you know, in the coffers uh, that, that are to be allocated uh, you know, for the police department, the fire department, in their pension funds. And of course, you can't get that kind of interest. Therefore, the money has to come out of our taxes, real estate taxes. And uh, that's what I had to say. Got
0: gotcha, you, Robert. Yeah, well, that, Commissioner, go ahead. So-
3: so, so yeah. So, actually, uh, that
2: is completely true of municipalities. Uh Municipalities um, have a match, and they actually many of them cover the delta. Should the investments that are made for pensions
0: yeah.
2: uh, for their employees have a dip? In the case of the county and the school board, before you get before you go is, too
0: far, commissioner. Sorry, let me define delta for folks that aren't in the investment markets. Delta <laughs> is the is the difference between kind of what the general investment market has returned and what you need for something to return. So if the S&P 500 is up 3%, but your pension plan is paying out 6%, you've got a delta there of three to have to cover somehow.
2: Exactly. So uh, for Miami-Dade County and for the school board, uh, the good news is that our pension programs are through the state program. So we're FRS. As such, we pay in, the employees pay into that program. And some county employees have a separate 401 that has a matching by the county. But really, the county does not bear the burden of the pensions the way that the municipalities do uh, in Miami-Dade, Broward and Monroe, because it's the state system.
0: Emma is uh, calling in for a clarification from Miami. Emma, thanks for calling. You're on the radio.
2: Thank you for the opportunity
4: to ask my question. Um, So clarification as to the non-residential properties, there is an annual percentage of increase of 10%. So is that 10% every year? So it just continues to build upon that percentage So in essence, in in the span of one to two years, you're not really paying the cap. You're actually accumulated
2: a higher percentage. Is that correct? So it's, it's not like compounded interest. It's a, it the, the cap is 3% and 10% of the value, right? But the value has gone up so much in the last two years that that's what the concern is, right? So uh, let's give a, a simple mathematical example. Let's say that you bought a commercial property for half a million dollars. And since you don't have Homestead, we tax 10% of that value. If that value goes up, you know, the first year, 100,000, you know you're paying um, that difference, but if in the last two years, like we're seeing in a lot of properties, right, it went from half a million two years ago to 900. Right. The 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 issue is is it's not compounded interest. The issue is the value is escalating so quickly that the 10% cap um, is not enough, and you're seeing a duplication or or triplication of what you're paying, and that's what folks are going to see in this tax roll if we don't lower the millage. They're going to see an increase you know depending on where they live and how um, how much their properties went up um, that's really really dramatic i mean we have of you know when we talk about the cities unincorporated went up 11% but right. you know there more than 80% of our cities went up to double digits Yeah, but some so of them just on the yeah.
0: clarification there to emma's uh, question uh, so so could could uh, investment properties commercial properties see a property tax increase of more than 10%
2: no, it's capped at 10%. It's
0: 10% of the change in value.
2: Right. Right. That's the cap. The same, same with the 3%. There are some people who get caught in the middle. So for example, if you purchased a property this year and you missed, you bought it after you weren't living in the property on January 1st, then even though you've applied for homestead, you're going to pay the 10% and you're not going to be able to get homestead until the following year. So it also depends on when the transactions happened. Sometimes you'll carry over somebody's homestead, even though it's not homesteaded. Um, So there's a few gray areas there, but for the most part, homesteaded 3%, you know, um, non-homesteaded 10%.
0: Uh, Talking about property taxes with Miami-Dade County Commissioner Raquel Regalado, we'd love to hear your experiences, your expectations from across South Florida, Monroe, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach. Let's hear from all of you at 800-743-9576. Miami-Dade County and uh, Palm Beach County are having public active consideration and debate over trying to lower the county portion of property taxes, lower the millage rate in order to keep a tax increase limited, 800-743-9576. And Commissioner Regalado, I think that's also an important point here is when folks open up those trim notices, right, which is kind of putting a property owner on warning, here's what the the property tax bill is going to look like. It comes from the county. But there's a lot more government agencies that have a line item in those property tax bills than just county government.
2: Yes. So there's the school board, uh, there's their municipalities and then folks who've purchased um, different things for their home through the PACE program. They're also going to see that in their tax roll, which is a little complicated for for folks. So it includes a lot of other municipalities, you know, a lot of other decisions made by other entities. But it comes from Miami-Dade County and it has the breakdown at the bottom. It'll also have your homestead. It'll have your exemptions and it'll have your caps.
0: And so uh, as you. Anticipate Mayor Daniela Levine Cava's budget due by uh, July fifteenth, the week from this Friday, a week from today, as you and I are speaking here with the uh, WLRN audience. Uh, what what kind of expectations are you are you going to be looking for in both in terms of uh, of revenue, tax rate, as well as expenses the uh, the payment for services.
2: Right. Well, you know, our property appraiser actually wrote us a letter um, on in June when he did the preliminary asking us to lower the millage. And he did an analysis, you know, looking at the last 20 years and what's happened when you have such a dramatic increase in property values. We haven't seen an increase this dramatic since 2007 in Miami-Dade County. So put that in perspective, that was the height of the bubble, right? right? right. Before we went crashing, you know, um, into not only a recession, but also a real estate crisis. So in this case, we, we do not believe that these prices are artificial, but we're concerned that if we do not lower the millage and help people navigate the recession that's coming and inflation and all everything that's kind of been thrown at folks post-pandemic, that we are gonna have a lot of property owners that are just not gonna be able to hang on. So lowering the millage this year and giving people a little bit of relief actually will prevent a crisis. And that's what we don't want. So I I believe that the mayor understands that.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that, though. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at dropping a millage rate of, uh, you know, 50 cents for every thousand dollars in home value, every little bit helps with the household budget. Uh, Certainly, folks aren't going to argue with that. But when they're looking at, uh, you know, home insurance rates that are that are increasing by 30, 40, 50, 60 percent or more, is, uh, is a few hundred dollars savings on property taxes really going to go that far?
2: Well, I think we're we're in a climate right now where people are are deciding, you know, what to buy and and what to do because a few hundred dollars can make a difference. Mm. So, for example, one of the things that we're seeing is people are cutting their cable bills and getting antennas, right? Because they can't afford an extra hundred dollars a month. People instead of chopping at Publix are going to all these, right? Because they're saving uh, a yeah. sixty bucks, right? So, I think I think we're seeing it, and I think we have an obligation to to do our part. Look at the county yesterday. We were talking about the mayor mentioned creating a fund to help small businesses navigate inflation, you know, and they specifically said, even if it's a few hundred dollars, you know, it all helps. Well, the same I think is true for our taxpayers, and I think now's the moment, especially since we still have all this leftover federal money, you know, to do right uh, by our constituents. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that next year, but I think we could definitely tighten our belt a little bit, just like residents are tightening their belt, um, and help people out across the the county.
0: So, okay, so on the expense side, When you talk about tightening your belt, do you mean a lower rate of growth in spending anticipated for next year or a drop compared to spending uh, levels this year?
2: We have a lot of pet projects and we engaged in a lot of things because it was the pandemic um, that I think, you know, we need to be a little careful about this year. Um, You know, we still have some of this federal money floating around. There was a lot of reserves that we put away that we haven't used that I think we need to look at. You know, I think we need to consider providing services, you know, meeting our contractual obligations with labor and then seeing What else is left, and allocating that as best we can to do what is right for Miami-Dade County. Now is not the moment um, for us to be entering into multi-million-dollar, you know, projects. Look, one of the things that I criticized yesterday because I just don't think it's well thought out um, is you know taking general fund money, 18 million a year, uh, to help people um, that are in workforce housing as like a, a rebate, right? So this money would go to developers who have units that have people in those units and it would give them a little bit of money um, to, to help them pay their bills. But that's 9,000 units, $18 million a year, yep. you know, and it's only for three years. I don't think that's a, a good use of our money given what, mm. what we're navigating right now. Uh, because that that a few million dollars could go a long way um, in terms of building new units or securing something long-term We're helping people in an affordable crisis. We have, we don't really have a work. Workforce crisis. We're working on workforce. People are building workforce. We have workforce in the pipeline. We have an affordable crisis. Nobody wants to do the affordable housing piece. Uh, and that's, those are the folks that, that we're getting calls about.
0: Nancy is uh, not one of your constituents. She's listening from Fort Lauderdale, but has a, a good, relevant question here, I think. Nancy, thanks for listening and calling. Go ahead.
4: Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I'm a retired teacher. I know many, uh, many friends. Our main investment is this little investment property that we save, this little rental property. And, uh, you know, that's our savings. And the it provides some income. It takes 20 years to get the income because you have to pay it down. But w- it, whatever the case, you know, that has a 10% cap. The, in the interest rate on a loan for an investment property is higher than a, mm-hmm. than a regular property right. we're, we're providing a service we're giving rent um, I, I take very good care of my tenants I, I maintain my property um, it, and it seems like we're getting punished hmm. because this is in some people, some people this is their only other investment they don't have a pension they don't have a 401k. They managed to, you know, do something like this. And in addition, I think it's like you're punishing us plus the land, plus the tenant, because I have no choice but to pass
2: this on to the tenant.
0: Nancy, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Commissioner, go ahead. I'm
2: so, I'm so glad Nancy called. First and foremost, as a former school board member, thank you for your service <laughs> to the school district. Um, you know, we were recently talking about teachers and, you know, the, the mayor brought up the possibility of workforce housing for teachers. And I actually worked on this 10 years ago when I was a school board member. And when we surveyed our teachers, our teachers did not want workforce housing. They wanted exactly this, right? Uh, they're big on home ownership. They have an investment property. And one of the things that we're, that I think we should be considering and I'm going to be bringing to the board is maybe an exception if you only have one property and if you're keeping that rent reasonable, right? So maybe instead of the 10%, we could do something a little bit less if you're actually helping uh, the community by keeping that rent a little bit lower and it's a smaller property and it's your only investment. How would you when look, we look at, at reasonable, era,
0: how would you define reasonable rents? What are you thinking about that? Well, there?
2: within, within, within these you know, within these, um, you know, affordable or workforce, right? So the federal. Um, it was like you know,
0: 33% uh, of uh, exactly the median AMRI, wage right. of the zip code, for instance.
2: Exactly, exactly. But for for example, ERAP, when we did the ERAP program with the federal government, and by the way, that's what, what's, what I mentioned That one
0: I'm not familiar with. You stumped me yeah, here, so, Commissioner.
2: So, yeah, so ERAP is the Emergency Rental Assistance Program from the federal government gotcha. that was actually rolled out for COVID. And now we're using it to provide folks with some rental assistance if their rent went up. But you only get that money if you're low income, if you're considered low income. We still have $30 million dollars um, um, in that fund in Miami Dade County, we can't give it away. And Broward is doing the same thing. And we're actually going to our affordable housing um, uh, projects, and we're we're asking people to apply so they can get the seven percent annually that mm. that goes up. But you know, there's a lot of federal programming that went to the poorest of the poor, but it's the it's the middle income folks that we're seeing that really didn't get a lot of assistance. So one of the things that we're considering is is there some benefit that we can give them for keeping you know that property going for not selling it for continuing to a take care of it but also to rent it to someone who needs it and and she's right a lot of our teachers that is their retirement yeah. plan
0: well uh, we're going to talk about teacher and teacher pay next here on the south florida roundup you've uh, teed us up uh, uh, remarkably well there commissioner commissioner raquel Regalado, with us miami-dade county commissioner always great to have you thanks so much
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Lots more to come, as I mentioned, talking about teacher pay, asking voters to continue paying more in property taxes for teacher pay and school security. It'll be on the ballots here in South Florida in the months ahead. 800-743-WLRN as we continue. We're back on the South Florida Roundup here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. Four years ago, voters in all four South Florida counties agreed to boost property taxes a little bit to raise money for public school teacher pay and school security. Voters will have to okay these higher taxes again this year. Miami-Dade and Broward County voters will decide in November. Monroe and Broward County voters will see that question on their ballots in August. So with home affordability... A big, big challenge here in South Florida. What do you think about continuing to pay more for teacher paychecks and school security through a little bit of a higher property tax? What role do these tax rates play as schools are having trouble finding and keeping teachers in the profession? 800-743-WLRN, our phone number to have our conversation here live on this Friday. 800 Vicki Cartwright is back with us here on the South Florida Roundup, Superintendent of Broward County Public Schools. Superintendent Cartwright, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me today. How much money for the school district has been generated by this tax since it was first approved in 2018?
5: So at this point in time, what, what it has generated for our school district right now, um, taking a look for you right there, is that it currently... Uh, a, provides approximately $82 million in compensation supplements for our teachers, as well as our frontline workers that work directly with our students on an annual basis. It also provides funding for over 500 school safety personnel and 100 mental health professionals as well.
0: So would all those positions be at risk if voters reject continuing with this uh, special tax?
5: So if the decision is that the that voters decided to not approve or renew this um, secure the next generation uh, referendum, what would happen is we would have to really take a close look at how we are going to resource these positions because we know that Um, School safety is a number one concern, obviously, uh, here in Broward County Public Schools. Mm -hmm. And so there may be a need that we have to cut back some from what we're doing right now. But at the same time, we know that there is a significant need for that. Uh, Likewise, with mental health professionals coming out of COVID right now, uh, the needs that we're seeing from our students have definitely increased. Um, Obviously, the 82 million that's going to our teachers right now for um, compensation supplements, that would go away. Um, And then so where would we find the money in order to look at our school safety personnel and our mental health professionals, we would have to, at that point in time, really look at um, programs that we have out at our schools, Uh, we'll have to look at, obviously we'll have to cut back on some of how we're staffing at at our schools. Um, and throughout the district as well. So if somebody were to, um, if the voters decided to not um, renew this referendum, then those are the things that we would uh, have to really look at. And those are the things that would be at risk.
0: For clarity's sake, Superintendent, the $82 million figure you mentioned, is that over the four years that this uh, tax has been in place? Or is that an annual number?
5: That is an annual number, okay. and as I mentioned, um, it's supplements for our teachers right. and um, frontline workers. So yep. this could be like our bus drivers, cafeteria workers, our paraprofessionals in the classrooms. So it's the ones who work directly with their students. Yes,
0: the, the school board is not only asking voters to uh, reapprove what they voted on in 2018, but actually a larger tax this year compared to four years ago, from 50 cents per thousand dollars of home value to one dollar per thousand dollars of home value. Why ask for the increase?
5: Well, the increase is really important because there has been some statutory changes that have occurred from the first time we went out to referendum in 2018 to where we are today. Uh, What happened at that point in time is now we have to split the money with our charter schools annually. Um, And so if we just simply went back out for uh, what we currently are generating, the half mil, what would happen is we'd actually be generating less money than what we are currently right now because we had to split those funds with our charter
3: schools. So let
0: me pause there for a moment there, Superintendent. So are you saying that under the previous 4 years the the school district did not have to share that it, those additional dollars with public charter schools
5: we did not have to share it with all public charter gotcha. uh, schools now we did with, with some of them but not all of them under the new I law see. we have to share it with everyone
0: and that's why you've you've doubled the ask essentially of voters
5: WELL, WE DEFINITELY INCREASED IT. Um, THE OTHER THING I THINK IS IMPORTANT IS WE'RE TRYING TO ENSURE THAT WE REMAIN COMPETITIVE TO THE DISTRICTS um, NORTH OF US AND SOUTH OF US. Um, PALM BEACH COUNTY CURRENTLY HAS A MILL REFERENDUM AND AS WE ALL KNOW, MIAMI-DADE IS GOING AFTER A MILL AS WELL. Mm -hmm. SO IF THIS IS SOMETHING THAT FAILS, um, A REAL CONCERN IS NOT ONLY HAVING TO TAKE A LOOK AT CUTTING BACK ON SERVICES AND PROGRAMS AND THINGS THAT WE DO. Um, in order to support our children. But it also would mean that the competition now increases even more mm-hmm. significantly in trying to recruit, retain quality teachers. And we know that we're doing a really good job. You know, our school grades came out yesterday, mm-hmm. and I am so, so proud of our teachers and our school administrators, everyone that worked in the lives of our children. It, it's just amazing what they were able to do this past year. They are absolutely quality in, um, individuals. And we are taking care of our children and I, the proof is in the pudding. And that's what we saw.
0: When, when asking for the, the continuation and really the increase of this tax, uh, it also comes at a time when home values have increased substantially. We just were talking with the Miami-Dade County Commissioner, Raquel Regalado, about the impact of uh, rising home values in Miami-Dade County on the county portion of the property tax. So how much more money do you anticipate being raised if voters in August okay this uh, this referendum?
5: So we don't have the figures just yet um, for the 2022 um, average home market value. What we are basing our calculations on is the average cost for the 2021. So the average home market value is around $394,000 thereabouts for um, 2021, with the school board's taxable value being at 274,000, a little over that. So what that would mean is that an average homeowner would be investing approximately $274 per year or $23 per month which right now that would be and what the, on what they're already paying that would be eleven dollars and fifty fifty cents more than what they're paying right now.
0: Yeah, it's additional into what the what the what the baseline school district uh, property tax is.
5: That's is correct. And yeah. for the average condo owner, um, again, off the the tax rolls for twenty twenty one, we're asking that it would be uh, an. A, $158 uh, per year or $13 per month, which is an additional $6.50 more than what they're currently investing.
0: And then, of course, for those renters, they could see that roll over into the rent. And that's kind of the perspective from Boynton Beach that Carrie wants to share with the superintendent. Carrie, go ahead. You're on the radio. Thanks for calling.
6: I really appreciate the time. I did just want to call back and, and A, first comment on that uh, landlord that called and Uh, sort of said, pity me, Uh, you know, when taxes go up, my expenses go up. Well, they obviously pass that on to their tenants while they benefit from having the tenants pay their mortgage, uh, as well as all the uh, income advantages as they write off those taxes on their tax returns. But the bigger issue in talking about raising taxes and and schools falls to the bigger issue as to why we don't value our education systems anymore. Uh, You know, it, it seems that parents tend to, or at least the parents and teachers that I know, parents tend to curse the teachers uh, and and leave the parenting up to them yet we want the school system to have the responsibility to educate your ch- their children hmm. uh, yet we're unwilling to pay for that and and that just always strikes me funny we we want a public school system we want a daytime babysit system uh, but uh, we we don't seem to value it like we did uh, 20 or 30 years ago and and I don't understand how that aspect in in our society, I mean, we don't hold teachers in esteem as we did when I was in school. They K- were pillars of the community, and now they're, they seem to be the scapegoats for all of society's ills.
0: Kerry, I appreciate you lending your voice there to the conversation. Superintendent, how do you respond to Kerry and just the general environment, certainly, of public education in Florida, which has changed substantially and considerably, for better or worse, depends on your perspective, compared to 2018 when voters first approved this, uh, this pay raise referendum?
5: You know, one of the things we really view ourselves as partners um, with our parents, guardians and caregivers, because we, we fully understand that it takes a village to raise a child. Um, a lot of the responsibilities of the school district um, has changed over a significant period of time, and those are responsibilities that have significantly changed over time. Um, You know, back in the day, I'll remember even when I was going back to school, uh, for us to even talk about mental health concerns, that was something that was far and few between, whereas in today's time, it's common um, discussion um, as to what's going on and what can we make sure that we're taking care of the whole child and not just the child from an academic standpoint. Mm -hmm. So the role and responsibility of the education system has definitely changed. However, um, something that I'm constantly out talking about is that we've got to work in partnership uh, with our parents, our guardians, our caregivers, as well as our local constituents. Um, We have a lot of business partners, a lot of community partners, and uh, it's just an all hands on deck approach to ensure that we're raising every one of our children appropriately and with a solid educational foundation, um, also developing those good uh, citizen traits that we know is important for them to be successful in tomorrow's future.
0: Superintendent, uh, just a pop quiz here because I don't recall the answer, but what is the uh, threshold for this referendum to pass in order for it to go into play?
5: Um, I believe for in order for this to be a successful, it has to be a, right above 50, percent,
0: 50 percent plus one. OK, uh, right. I, I should know that as well. But uh, I figured <laughs> I'd put it right there to the boss in Broward County. Uh, Vicki Cartwright, the we got plenty more we could talk about, but we're up against the school bell here on the radio. Uh, superintendent Cartwright, thanks for your time on this Friday. Much appreciated.
5: Thank you for this opportunity. Please
0: you, be Vicki Cartwright, the superintendent of the Broward County public school system. That'll do it for the South Florida Roundup this week. It has been produced by Natu Tway. Our engagement editor is Katie Cohn. News director at WLRN is Taryn Shepard. Alicia Zuckerman is our editorial director. The senior editor of news here at WLRN is Jessica Bakeman. Director of radio operations and the program's technical supervisor is Peter J. Meritz. Richard Ives answers the phones. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for calling, listening, and above all, supporting public radio here in South Florida. We couldn't do it without you. Our program is made possible by Willie the Bee Man, Bee Removal Specialist.
1: WLRN
4: Public Media.